Hey guys, it is 5.30, so let's rock and roll here. Um, we have a couple people who already signed on, and it looks like somebody called Not Aggravated has her hand raised. So I'll go ahead and allow you to talk. Um, okay, take it away. Hey, Not- can you hear me? Yeah, Hi. Hi. For once, I'm not aggravated. That's because I didn't have to go to work today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there must be a new installment in the uh, series, the docu-series. Oh, no, no, there's nothing good. It's just I didn't have to go today. today. So I'm saying take the wins where I can. (laughs) (laughs) How's Um, How's collecting going? It's good. It's almost done. And actually today I spent time entering my cases. So um, you have enough. Oh yeah. Okay, good. More than enough. Um, uh, Before I went into why I wanted coaching today or whatever the new saga is, um, I did want to circle back on a positive coaching moment. Um, Mm -hmm. A few months ago we had spoken about, or maybe it was even like a year ago, um, the office manager at our second office, um, who's also the MA and how I felt that she wasn't always doing stuff for me that I needed her to do that she would do for the other doctors. Um, but I did some of the stuff we talked about and she and I had a great relationship. They actually abruptly shut down that office, forced her to scramble for a job. And then I talked some sense into the senior partner and said, you're stupid if you fire her or if you let her go. And so now she's staying as like essentially our clinical operations manager so it's funny how like a year ago I've been like oh please just go away and now I was like begging to try to keep her well this is important because what will really be instructive or informative for people is if you tell us how you engaged with her that turned the ship around um I think it was just because you had suggested just kind of treating that day like it is it's oh because the issue was that she wouldn't let me add on patients because she felt like it was too much for her even though she would add on for the other doctors Mm -hmm. and so then I just said okay this will be like a more chill admin day for me and that's how I treated it and um obviously it's not great because you're not bringing business into the group but none of the partners at that time really seemed to care so um she was at peace and I was at peace And then with that, we're able to, I was able to work with what she's really good at. She's really good at administrative stuff. So I said, okay, if this is gonna be my admin day, I'll just have her help me with administrative stuff. And she's happy to do that. Okay, so if I'm hearing this correctly, is is you, you rather than escalate, you de escalated the situation. And some of us might look at that and think in our own lives, well, if we just do what they want, then that's us kind of like giving in or something like that. But that's not exactly true. It can be a very strategic move and a very powerful move to just chill and let the person kind of like have it their way, so to speak. And then it sounds like what that did was that opened up room for you guys to find common ground and then you could identify what her strengths are and then optimize her strengths is that fair the way I kind of answered that yes and my thought was you know I had told the partners listen I'm trying to build a practice there but she's hampering me and they didn't do anything about it so I said if they're not stressed about it I should not make this my problem Ooh. um because I I just feel that as women, and I'll talk about this a little bit with this updated thing I want to talk about, but 
I feel like we tend to make things that are not our problem, our problem. We do. And it's funny. It's, it's funny how it works. And it's really, um, astute of you to call that out because a lot of times we function as fixers and we assume that it's our role to fix things. And then even if it isn't, we'll do it anyway. Even if nobody asked Mm -hmm. us to, it's almost like it's this, um, like we think it's an expectation. So we just go and do it. And the reality is, is like, "Mm, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Which is what I'm realizing in this most recent installment. Okay, cool. We'll lay it on us. <laughs> um, so, you know, you on coaching, Kelly on coaching, and the lawyers have all said to me, if all this stuff is happening with your group, if they're not paying you, if they're squandering money, this, that, and the other, why are you bothering to work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been slowly, like, almost quiet quitting a little bit. Um, I would say for involuntary call, the last two weeks, I've probably turned down, like, six surgical cases. Like, nothing exciting. Like I'll take them if I get good experience out of them, but it's like, you low yield and would require a lot of my time, like rounding on the patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's a backup, there's always like the academic center or whatever. Um, but then last week, um, the senior partner came to me and said, Oh, I need to talk to you. Um, I want to get you some time in our surgical center. We're going to have a new anesthesia group. And I said, Oh, that's great. No, he wanted to, use that almost as like a a way to butter me up because his next statement was, by the way, our new PA cannot help you at all. Um, So all all of our PAs have quit. We have a brand new one who didn't even do a rotation in this specialty in PA school. So he literally knows nothing. And the day before he had been helping me with some surgical clearances, just, you know, tracking them down from the PCPs. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, he's not available to help you. So you're going to have to do them yourself. And I said, I certainly do not have time with my clinic and my aura schedule and 18 days of call a month to be doing my own medical clearances. Like, how do you think, you know, trying to use the um, never split the difference tech, like negotiating techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you expect me to do this? Whatever. And then um, it turned into a whole big thing where we weren't yelling at each other, but you could tell on both ends, we were very frustrated. And I did tell him at one point, I said, you have not paid me for the work I have done. So I'm certainly not going to be taking on any other work. Um, You know, that's not reasonable. Um, And it is like a violation of the bankruptcy to not be paying me since I still work there. But, you know, whatever, his lawyers can figure that out. Um, And I did say that. And his response to all that is this is non-negotiable. This is not a democracy. Like, I'm just telling you this is how it is. Like, very demeaning in a way, like speaking to your child. Um, and, um, you know, he's like, oh, and then he starts throwing out numbers. Well, in 2022, oh, cause he was accusing me of trying to hurt his practice by having his PA track down two medical clearances. I said, if you're paying someone six figures, there's no reason why they can't help you with everything you need. And they can't just track down two clearances for me. Cause I'm not expecting the PA to help me. Otherwise, I know he's like, not mine. Um, And he starts throwing out numbers like, well, in 2022, I made five times as much money as you did. And I said, oh, 2022, is that when you when you've been here for 35 years and I had been here for three months? Like you're talking about that year. Yeah, I expect that you make five times more than I did. And I said, well, that's that's certainly true. But I can tell you over the last four months in the bankruptcy, I have made more than you because I've actually been operating. He's like, 
refuse to operate because our surgery center is closed. It just doesn't make any sense financially. Um, I actually signed my notes on time. So I was like, sure, two years ago, you made more money than me. But right now I'm bringing in most of the income. So whatever, you know, it got a little heated. And then I sent him apology text because I was like, well, he's the boss and I need to keep my job. Um, And since then, I can't tell if I've been feeling like guilty or scared of like kind of quiet quitting because this week I, I don't really have many cases. So I have more free time. And it's not expected if you don't have cases that you like open up a clinic. Um, but when he said like, oh, I've seen your schedule, this and that, I'm like, oh, should I be opening like a half day if I don't have cases to help things along? Um, uh, cause you know, one thing he did say is, Hey, we're like really, really short on money, um, to help things along Duh. or should, yeah, <laughs> um, actually, you know, he's actually been closing his notes the same day. So that's how I know that the money problems are real because this man takes months to close his notes. Mm. Um, so, you know, I ended up emailing and saying, hey, I can do like virtual visits, you know, one day this week. Um, but it's almost like now I feel guilty that I've been quiet quitting. And I'm like, I don't know if I feel guilty or if I feel nervous that I flat out told him, well, if you don't pay me, I'm not working anymore or I'm not going to be doing any extra work. Yeah. Okay. So that was, let, there's some stuff to unpack here. So let's yeah. go back to when you told him, if he's not going to pay you, you're not going to do extra work. What exactly did you say? I said, you haven't paid me for the work I've already done. So I'm certainly not going to be taking on any extra work or extra duties. Okay. to which Beyond you- what I'm already doing, which is like, I've absorbed two other physicians practices. But did he, did he acknowledge that? Yes. His response to that is there's no money to pay you. Um, which is actually not true for the various reasons. Um, they've been hiring staff. They've been paying them. Our accounts payable person's just been helping herself to money and then emailing me and telling me that there's no money available. Um, okay. And then you guys, and then it kind of got spun up and then you sent him an apology text, which said what? I said, I apologize if I sounded frustrated during our earlier, um, our phone call earlier, because this was in between cases that we were having this conversation. Um, I am trying to remain flexible with, you know, taking 18 days of call, working late in the the OR, nights and weekends. Um, I want to see our group, you know, survive and thrive. To which he responded, how? He said he apologized um, for his frustrations as well. And that every time he tries to solve one problem, two more come up. Okay. This is, I think, excellent. Um, I don't know that, you know, you needed to apologize per se, but... Extending an olive olive branch of sorts is um, also a powerful and effective tool because we we want to remind the group here that's listening this is this is a story that's been unfolding for months and months and months and this 
friend and colleague of ours who's named herself not aggravated today is in the middle of a board collection period. There is a time sensitive issue regarding boards. There is this other issue regarding um, the way our boards work or the way some of our boards work is you are reliant on um, people's opinions of you that get submitted to the board. And particularly this year, people have been suspicious that their peers have not said good things about them to the board. Um, you can comment on that if you want, not ever aggravated, because I know that there's been like a lot of um, kind of chatter about the change in the way boards is kind of mm-hmm. happening these days. So it would behoove not aggravated here to stay on good terms with this jackass that's not paying her. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I actually reminded me, I forgot it's also because of the peer peer reference. It's so the, both that's things. What one, I need to keep yeah, I need to keep my job at, you know, until they hobble along um yes. as long as they possibly can. And then also need like a good peer reference. Right. So when we're talking like the type of coaching that I like to do is with a particular outcome. And I think for not aggravated, the immediate particular outcome is becoming board certified. Like no question. That is the ticket. Yes. You can do anything you want after you're board certified. And you are like so, so close to that oh, wow. reality. And um, so it may seem like to others who haven't heard this whole story unfolding, like why the hell is she like playing nice with this guy? There's a reason and it's a powerful reason. And it's a re it's not one you, you don't want to just blow your life up in this moment when, you know, could you still get board certified? Yes, but it would be a gigantic pain in the ass to take 10 steps backwards. Don't you agree? Agreed, which yeah. is why I sent that text. Cause again, I feel very justified in what I said. And I wasn't like yelling and screaming. I said it maybe a little bit in like a frustrated tone. So I feel justified and it's the truth, but I also recognize he still has a lot of power. Exactly. But you're, you're learning how to wield the power you do have and the way in which he responded to you, I think is telling because I, I think that you hold more power than maybe you even realize, because if you're bringing in that much business, you might be the only person keeping this thing afloat. Irrespective, yeah, you know, irrespective of the shenanigans around you getting a paycheck, which is just like completely asinine. But that whole issue aside, he is he he can't piss you off too much if you're really bringing in a lot of revenue. Right. I mean, the thing is, though, he's so irrational. He let the other two physicians walk out the door who brought in a good amount of money, too. Um, So that's what makes me sort of nervous. That's part of the reason I apologize is this is not a rational human being we're dealing with. Yeah. So there's a lot of damage control going on. There's a lot of like, you know, you making calculated decisions with how you're communicating with this person in an effort to get to the most immediate ideal outcome, which is board certification. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you need coaching on? Oh yeah, here we go. You said oh, guilty versus guilty. like, am I actually guilty or am I scared? And you know, we did touch base on like how women make things their problem. Like mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, the last four months I've been the one bringing in all the income. So on one hand, I feel like I need to keep bringing it in 
um, so this group can at least stay afloat somehow for me to get board certified. But on the other hand, I'm like, this isn't your problem. You didn't put this group into bankruptcy. And like, he needs to operate at the hospital, suck it up, mm-hmm. um, operate the hospitals like I do, which is so painful, do his notes, and then, you know, and then don't come to me and say, you're going to do all your own scut work while our PA who gets paid 120k sits at home for half a day because he doesn't have to come in like if you know the other surgeon's not there. Yeah. So I've talked about this before and I think that because you have these other things going on that are um unpredictable whether it's his like a personality issue for him or these other people within the practice who who are pulling strings somehow with the finances and all that stuff. It sounds like there is some uncertainty with the way some of these other people are acting. The only thing you can be certain about is how you show up. And my recommendation here is, is to be impeccable. Right. And if you catch yourself, well, let's set it up as a model. I think that'll be really helpful. So what do you think it's guilt or fear? Which one do you think is the predominant? You know, I think it was probably fear because prior to this conversation, I wouldn't have had two, I wouldn't have had a second thought about this week. But since that conversation, I've been like, should I do clinic when I don't have OR? I mean, it's not expected. Nobody else does it. But like maybe since now he's aware that I won't be taking on extra work, that he'll be looking at maybe the work I'm not doing. Yeah. Also, well, put a pin in that for just a second. So I just put the T as I'm silent quitting. Do you think that's fair? You said that a couple times. Um, I think the T is actually, I'm nervous that now he knows I'm quiet quitting. Ah, Because before I was quiet about it. And then when I told him I'm not doing any extra work, now I'm not quiet about it. Now, granted, he doesn't know, like, you know, if the ER calls me and I tell them to call somebody else, he doesn't know that. But, you know, he can look at my clinic schedule and stuff and see, like, oh, there's, like, days here and there you could do more. And so then if if the thought is he knows that I'm quiet quitting and then you feel fear around that, and then what are you doing? Kind of, like, overthinking it? Overthinking, ruminating. And then I did actually... um email my staff and tell them that Thursday when I normally operate, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll do some clinic then. Um, and then it's funny because um, that, you know, our new clinical manager, she's like, you need to check with me before you do that because I scheduled an all staff meeting for that time. And I was like, see, what's the point of me even putting on extra clinic if we have a staff meeting I didn't even know about. Yeah. So like, what are the things that you're, ruminating about what are you saying what are the sentences um should I do clinic should I not do clinic should I move my schedule should I freeze my schedule so it's a lot should of I just take lots of shoulds like should I take the next like not great consult that comes my way just to take something so lots of shoulds yeah so this is a good time to bring up this exercise you can do around the word should. When you notice that you're repeating a sentence in your mind that has the word should in it, ask yourself, what is it that I think I'm not allowed to want right now? Because the should usually points 
us in the direction of something we think we're not allowed to want or have. So do you think you're not allowed to? Sorry. Yeah, um, actually, that's really great that you brought that up because part of the reason I'm not aggravated today is because I didn't go to work. I didn't, I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have anything scheduled. Um, and uh, we can't do clinic at the same time because he's like an absolute resource hog. So we actually doesn't want anyone in clinic with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so today I was really productive. I got a lot of sleep last night. I went to bed on time last night. That was so exciting. Like, I got into my bed and I was so proud of myself for yeah. going to bed on time. Um, you know, I've been feeling very overwhelmed with the amount of life things I have to do with bored stuff with being sleep deprived. So I'm like, you know, if you have the time this week, why not use that to like catch up on your life, Mm -hmm. um, and get your sleep and log your cases for boards and do all the other things you need to do. Um, and then that little thought comes like, well, maybe you should do clinic because, you know, you two got into an argument last week. Although I also tell him the other side balances and says, well, he hasn't even acknowledged the work you've already done. So he may not even acknowledge any extra clinic I open. Right. And there, so here's what I asked you to put a pin in a second ago is this, we'll take the pin out now, but it's this thing around, sometimes you have to like walk away for another person to see what it is that they're missing. Mm -hmm. I think this works in relationships, like personal relationships, like where people are contemplating leaving a marriage or something like that. And it's like, you actually have to walk away. Like you, you move out, you take time apart and then it becomes very clear what it is that you're missing. And it, it provides clarity around, do you want to be with this person or not? So there is some merit to it. Um, I think if you navigate it like effectively where it doesn't end up, you know, biting you. Right. Cause I guess that's the big unknown is we kind of don't know how this guy's going to react, but that would be my guess is that if you stop taking care of all the things and just resign from the role of the breadwinner of the practice, that it'll become apparent just how valuable you are. Yeah, I hope so. Like we said, he's not really rational. Um, So the group has signed a letter of intent with like, it's not exactly a private equity, but it's something like that. So on one hand, I was like, I think I'm safe until the sale goes through. Because if I'm not there, I mean, the sale price is already a fraction of what they offered him previously. Mm -hmm. Um, It would go down even more. So I do think he'd be stupid too you know, terminate me. Um, and then when they come in, they're not going to terminate me. They want to keep me, but still, you know, these are irrational people. He makes really, really stupid, like financial and life decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, and then we know when we're working in this sort of like default mode, I'll just finish this out for the sake of you and the group. It's like, this has to be an anti-grade flow when it's default. So then it produces a result of silent quitting, basically. Silent quitting and then using my day off to spend time thinking about if I'm going to do clinic or not. Yeah. You just like, you're just like swimming in the soup of silent quitting. Okay. Yeah. So now when we go to strategic mode and we know what the ideal outcome is, which is board certification or what's, 
we can add to that too, because I'm sure you have other um, ideal outcomes like stable practice. Stable practice, low aggravation. Low aggravation will be a byproduct. Okay. So what would you that need works. to do to get this ideal outcome? Well, interestingly, you actually need personal time to get this shit together. To log cases. You also need to take good care of yourself so that you're, you know, physically fit and mentally fit and psychologically fit to sort of like show up in an impeccable way every day. Yeah. Our former PAs helped me with so much of this board stuff. And now that they're gone, I'm like, how do I download a note? <laughs> yeah. Figure out the, where's the print stuff. button. <laughs> this is, I mean, I did it all myself back in the day when it was still, um, like the binders, when you had to bring everything, it was a lot of work to put that stuff together. And you do, you end up having to take admin time because it's just not possible to do it. While you're yeah, well, part of the thing I'm doing is in case the group abruptly shuts down, I'm collecting all the documents for every single case now. So it's not like, you know, waiting until they pick your cases later. Yeah. I'm doing everything now, downloading everything. Heaven forbid I come in, there's like a lock on the door or they take away our um, our cloud drive. So yeah. it's unfortunately, it's creating a lot more work than other people are doing right now, but I just think it's the safest thing to do. Right, you're preparing for a catastrophe. But the other yeah. thing that you're doing is all of those reps you're doing and putting these cases together, Um is going to make you better prepare for the boards. It really, really Hopefully. will. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, so it definitely serves the ideal outcome. Um, you are playing nice in the sandbox. So like play nice in the sandbox. That's what that like apology text was all about. Mm-hmm. And if you just kind of tread water until things settle with the practice, chances are you're going to be in a good position once it's all settled. Um, Like this is what it means to show up impeccably, right? Like we just do our very best. And I'm not saying add clinics. That might be what some people consider to be doing their very best, but everything has a trade. Everything is a trade. There's a risk and there's a benefit. So the risk to you of adding clinics is it continues to give this guy a message that you're willing to work for free. Number one, number two, it robs you of time that could be better spent doing other things that are incredibly important that serve your outcome. Okay. So when we're working backwards, we don't actually need to have some fancy feeling to do these things because we can do these things from fear, from frustration, from anger, And all the surgeons know this because think about how much time you spent in like a bad emotional state during residency, but you did the work anyway. Yeah. We've all done this. So we know you don't have to feel good in order to do these things. It's just that the experience is so much better if you do. So what would be a good feeling that would, you would want to have while you're doing these things? Um, I guess this is more of a thought than a feeling, but... Okay, what's the thought? Um, 
just got to get through this. Um, you know, keep the end goal in mind type of thing. Um, your thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever it takes. That's right. That's more powerful than I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this. Yeah. It's just like freaking, that sounds miserable. Mm-hmm. But like, I think of the Shawshank Redemption a lot. Think about Andy Dufresne. If you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend you guys watch it. He's in prison for killing his wife. And he decides he's going to bust out of prison. Hopefully I'm not spoiling this for anybody. So he digs a hole and he finally gets himself to where he has to crawl through a pipe full of shit in order to get out of prison. And right now you're crawling through the pipe of shit. But you yes, know. Yes, you did text me that. I was like, why does it sound so familiar? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, but what's on the other side of the pipe of shit is he gets out there and it starts raining and it washes him clean and he's free. So it is such a compelling movie and such a compelling kind of metaphor for these ti- these times when we're going through the tunnel of shit. And he was willing to do whatever it takes to get to his freedom, including crawling through a tunnel of shit. The same thing will happen for you too. You will reach the other side of the tunnel. It just is going to be important for you to maintain this um, flexibility between like oscillating from our default mode, which all of us have and do all the time. But when you can oscillate out of it and get into a strategic mode and be like, oh yeah, like he totally knows I'm silent quitting. This may be bad. However, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And you can just kind of shift yourself out of that it gets you refocused on the outcome rather than the emotion that you were working for in, in the default mode. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I'm not sure what feeling should be. Cause I don't want it to be fear. Convicted. You know, Convicted. committed. Oh, committed. Um, committed. Um, powerful. Empowered. I, know, like I try so hard with that convicted. I try so hard to keep those thoughts, but when someone like tries to just dis- actually, this is when I started getting frustrated and pushing back was when he was trying to make it seem like I wasn't bringing in money or doing work. So I was like, hold on, that's not true. And you're going to stop right there. Yeah. And, and you said that, and it sounds like you still didn't quite believe it. And now <laughs> you're giving it an opportunity to feel it because you're not, if you're not there, doing work you're not getting paid for, then he's going to see this on the bottom line. Um, but as long as you keep showing up impeccably with the way you engage with him, the way you engage with your patients, the way you engage with the office staff, I think that you're going to be protected. Yeah. And you know what the the thing is, is if he wasn't so shady, I'd be happy to do more clinics or do like whatever it takes to keep the group going. But because he's like, you know, he hides information. He does all these weird things. He's super secretive. I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't think I should do anything extra. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think you should have to do anything extra if you're not getting paid. Right. Right. <laughs> but again, woman, I was like, am I taking on the problem of the practice because I'm a woman or because I need to take my boards? And I was like, probably the latter, because uh, if I didn't have the boards in the way I would have been gone a long time ago. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, that was really good. Okay. Thank you for bringing Thank that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, who's next? We have a couple people who um didn't aren't renamed. So if you would like coaching, raise your hand. If you want to go in the chat, you can. Um I'm going to bring this person on. I'm going to rename you really fast before I bring you on so that your identity is protected. Um, let's see. We got not aggravated. Just another Tuesday. We got cool temp. I'm going to say sunshine. Because I live in Southern California where the sun shines all the time. Okay. Here we go. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. I'm in... California too. I don't want to give away my location or anything, but um, I'm also in California. It's a beautiful place. It's awesome. Um, it is. But you guys helped me a little bit before. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to manage a business situation. Okay. That's not. Um, it's not really a problem with my boss the way our colleague Amazon has. Um, mm -hmm. My boss is a, a good, stressful, helpful person. Thankfully, mm -hmm. um, but I think our um, I'm really, really worried about some threats that my practice is facing. Um, we have these competitors down the road at another hospital who have um, a neurologist running their practice, and they're, like, really, really, really smart. Um, what they did recently was uh, manage to get um, a competing neurosurgeon credentials at our hospital using um, his old uh, cases that he did at another hospital, so he didn't have to get proctored um, the way all the other surgeons need to. Um, so it, it's kind of weird that like we have an ortho surgeon that I have to go proctor tomorrow, even though he is 10 years my senior. I have to sign off that he did a case well. Um, but this guy just brought in his paperwork from another hospital and said, oh, I'm proctored. Can you, will you accept my paperwork? And they did. And then um, this guy is he got his full privileges over here and then he's getting a partner of his who works about 30 to 40 minutes away privileges here as well. Um, and recently they've started doing this really smart thing where the neurologist will be on call and somehow gets, I don't know how he does this. I think he knows a lot of people. He gets consults for neurology that maybe should have just been like an MRI and a consult for spine surgery, either neuro or ortho. And then he funnels them to his neurosurgery partner. And what's so smart about the way he's doing it is that he's kind of pushed out one of our neurologists um, and gotten him to do, go do locums half time. So the neurologist, one neurologist is like half out the door. And then another neurologist had a baby not long ago. So she's not super intrigued and taking more call. And I don't blame her. And then another one is super busy and takes call when he can, but he's like super busy. And then that leaves this void for this guy who's coming in. And then when he's on neurology call, he just, he gets his hands in the cookie jar and he feeds all these cases to his colleague, who's our competitor from down the road. And this wouldn't, I know that this stuff happens, um, mm -hmm. but what they're doing, they're managing to get block off a schedule so that one or two of them are on call almost all the time. And somehow they have their ear to the ground more than our practice does uh, more to, than like anyone else. And I'm just really worried because I see that 
every week or two, they're snatching another case. And I understand that that's always going to be a risk of business. But um, I just feel like I'm really worried because every time that something like this happens, I feel like my boss is on vacation and I'm a, a new, I'm an attending that's only been out for just over a year. And I don't know how to like co- deal with this really coordinated attack from another group. Okay. So this other group, what is the business model? Private practice? Well, uh, they claim to be a private practice and they have offices in two different cities, but we believe that they're bankrolled by a competing health system. But if you look on their website, they say they're a private practice. Okay. And then what's your practice model? Uh, truly a private practice, but I do like 99.999% of my cases here. And originally I was supposed to do cases at this other hospital where these guys are most of the time, but um, it's impossible to get block time over there. They won't let my boss proctor me. I have to get proctored by either these competitors or another surgeon that's really like has his foot halfway or three quarters up the door. Um, and they cut me from the call schedule before I even got started. They axed our group from the call schedule. And then, so when, after they accessed from the call schedule, the surgeons from that other hospital then came over here and barged their way onto our call schedule right around the same time that we got a new CEO too. So they, I think that they're like really doing a good job playing to the CEO's ear and really like outmaneuvering my group every turn of the way. Like they have, I clearly think they have like administrative support for the stuff they're doing. How many people are in your group? Two. Two people in your group, there are two neurosurgeons in the other group. And then the Um, neurologists really, though, are driving everything because they're kind of the boots on the ground, sniffing out the consults. Yeah. Well, there's basically two and a half neurosurgeons in the other group because they have the neurosurgeon um, that's been snatching cases from us. And then they have one that's usually about half an hour away and they have a new guy. And I don't know what their goal with the new guy is at all. He has not come over here. We actually... Um, called them and said, Hey, do you want to have dinner so we can meet your new partner? Like, you know, it's a small community. We're a small field. So we're like, Hey, you know, we weren't trying to be like rude or anything. We're just like, Hey, you know, like new guy in town, like let's go have dinner. And they bailed on us the day before. Okay. Okay. So then are you, how do you get your business? Like some people could look at this and be like, I don't have to take call. That's amazing. And then other people right. look at this and be like, I'm not taking call. Where's my business going to come from? Right, right, right. Well, what I'm worried about right now is right now I'm in this weird spot where sometimes I'm on call and this guy's taking away cases, which, okay, like that's not the worst thing in the world, but I'm con- obviously that's not sustainable, right? So my my real concern is that they're going to get their second and third partners um, credentialed here. Mm-hmm. They're going to block out all call. And then the hospitalists here are going to know them, especially because I'm sure the other places experience this too. Our hospitalists have this horrible turnover. I mean, like a third of our hospitalists are new from like July. You know, they're new grads. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. And then um, our ER, same thing, you know, a lot of turnover. Um, they have a lot of PAs and nurse practitioners that turn over a fair bit. And our business right now is like, I get, um, I get Blue Shield PPOs, I get some HMOs and I get I have a Kaiser contract, even though I'm a private practice. Um, but I'm concerned these guys, I mean, I really think that they're probably courting the same insurance companies mm-hmm. and trying to get those businesses. And they also 
I don't know how they did this, but they got me blocked. And I, well, I don't know if they got me blocked, but when I first started here, I was trying to join an insurance company called Valley Care. And Valley Care told my boss and my office manager that they had too many neurosurgeons credentialed. And so they wouldn't add me to their roster. Hmm. But then when their third partner or the, the third surgeon joined over at this new group, they immediately credentialed him. And then Valley Care got bought out or is, is in the process of getting bought out by this competing health network where these guys largely work. So there's like a lot of money behind this other group. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm sniffing that out. And and just from a population standpoint, is this kind of saturated as far as neurosurgeons are concerned for your, um, for the, you know, um, with the introduction of these guys, uh, I would say it's getting there. It, it, it really is. I don't, we didn't need this additional surgeon in town, especially if my colleague that we're friendly with, um, who's in a different group, he's in his, he's on his own, but he's, he's a nice guy. Um, especially like he's, he's slowing down a lot, but he didn't slow down enough that there's room for another surgeon full-time. Yes. Okay. So there's this other thing. There's another kind of like backdoor way to build your business, which is similar to what I was telling the first person is Mm -hmm. be, be the best. Like you build a reputation in a saturated area and people want to come to you because mm-hmm. you're the one who does the best job. Mm-hmm. How many of these other neurosurgeons are female? Uh, zero. There's a skull-based neurosurgeon about 40 minutes away from us, but I don't do the same surgery she does. Yeah. So what is really fascinating, the longer you spend in a community, um, I'll give you an example about my community. I live in Orange County and it is saturated with orthopedic surgeons down here. Yeah. Now, pediatric I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon down here. That's what the group that I was in. But the longer you spend in the community and the reputation that you build for being excellent on -hmm. all accounts, people start coming to you. They request to come to you. Like you Mm -hmm. don't need to take call to get consults because people will be banging down your door because they want to see you. And the recent data that's coming out about women surgeons having better outcomes than male surgeons is really helpful for that. Right. Yeah. And it's probably particularly helpful in neurosurgery. Do you do any spine? Yeah, that's mostly what I do. Yeah. Okay. So even better, right? Because spine patients, um, in my experience, often require a little bit more as far as the handholding is concerned and a little bit more as far as the listening is concerned and a little bit more as far as the um, efforts around non-operative management of spine conditions Mm -hmm. before you decide to take somebody to the operating room. And what I have found um, is that some doctors, I don't know if this is true about spine, you can comment on it, but some people don't have time for all that shit and they just want to get somebody signed up for surgery and then they end up not doing well. So if other people are operating on that kind of a basis, then it's possible that they're going to just shoot themselves in the foot. As long as you're just plugging along, playing the long game. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does. Absolutely. It's just kind of scary because, you know, I've only had a year, 
to build that reputation. And so far it's good. I mean, I had a lady who brought me her 19 year old daughter and her yeah. surgery, thank goodness, went like super well. Mm-hmm. And then the lady brought me her mom. Right. And I had another person who faced him was like super high stress, high, strong lady. She, it was challenging getting her through surgery and everything. But then she brought me her husband. We even saw a, another colleague who was good. And I was like, hey, my colleague did a really good job on your evaluation. I think that they recommended the right thing for you. If you like them, please go ahead, have surgery with them. It's mm-hmm. fine. And yeah. Like, no, we want to have surgery with you. So like it's getting there. It's just, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's really terrifying knowing that I have all this like organized money and, and people were just really, really suave. Um, yeah. You know, and like, it's after it, our practice. And maybe they are, maybe they are, you know, maybe they're yeah. trying to come after your practice and maybe they're trying to take the whole book of business off of that um, hospital, but they can only do right. what comes in through the call system that way. You, and right. so you can, it can be a Goliath right? Like Mm -hmm. in your mind that you have to kind of fight Mm -hmm. or you can do it the old fashioned way where you're just like the one marketing for your, for your own practice. Like, um, particularly family practice doctors really love it when you go and offer to do lunch and learns for them, you go in and you Mm -hmm. teach them something that's really important to their practice. You bring them lunch and you bring them your business cards and some patient information Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And you give a shit about them Mm -hmm. and for the crap that they have to face on a daily basis. And you can, you can do that without these guys even entering into the equation and you can be busy and not taking calls. Right. Right. I think, um, I think may happen next year. And, I was like, this is crazy, you know, but there's there's two other surgeons that, that we get along with really well in the community that are really uh, like getting financially hurt by all this, because with the introduction of a fifth surgeon to our call panel, Mm -hmm. they're losing a lot of money that they were relying on. Um, With the way my salary is structured, I just have to do a certain amount of call right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that changes all next year. So I was like, this is kind of crazy that I'll be like two or two and a half years out and not taking call. But I also don't know if that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's for you to decide. Um, there are a lot of merits around call that involve just getting reps, reps right. of certain types of conditions, but you can be an outstanding spine surgeon without taking call. Like neurosurgery yeah. calls yeah. terrible. It's cranes, it's strokes, it's the shit hitting the fan. And all that yeah. stuff, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So of course I think that's yuck. You probably are like, but that's so great. Um, no, I think it's yuck too. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ortho part of my job. <laughs> let's let's set up your, um, if you can indulge me with just a couple more minutes, let's set up your strategic yeah. pathway here. Your ideal outcome is a, is a thriving practice. It sounds like. It is. And it's funny because not aggravated, um, to her point, like she asked, um, she asked me, I'm here, is there a medical, is there a chief of service or chief medical officer you can bring this to? And I, I have, and they're um, questionably helpful. They're not particularly fast moving on anything. So they've heard complaints about these guys, but they're not like, I don't think they're actually going to do anything. Um, right. But I'm in the same position where I do have to also get my boards done in the next probably like year or two. So I really do want to make sure that my 
I mean, I like my boss and I like living here. So I would prefer to stay here like, you know, more long-term, but I really do need to stay here another couple of years for purposes of my boards. Well, and even if, even if the chief medical officer or some administrator was in your corner, things move at a glacial pace at the institutional level. So it's going to behoove you to have a plan to create a thriving practice, irrespective Mm -hmm. of them. Like, let's not even worry about them. Let's just assume that they have no bearing on you having a thriving practice. Okay, It's it's more powerful that way anyway, because if they have bearing on whether or not your practice thrives, you have no power. It's like being like up against some big villain that you can't Mm -hmm. do anything about. Right. So it's better for you this way. Okay. So what do you need to do to have a thriving practice? Well, you need to do a kick-ass job. You need to like be the best, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. To me, that means give a shit about people, give a shit about the patients, give them the time that they are really there to have, like give them do great surgery, minimize your, Mm -hmm. minimize your complications, like all the things it's not rocket science. Right. The other thing is, is you can market. You have a community here that is just perfect for organic marketing, going out into the community, introducing yourself. So many neurosurgeons and orthopedic surgeons and other surgeons are such egomaniacs that when they go talk to people who are family practice, internal medicine, they talk down to them. It's repellent. It's repellent. But you can go to these primary care doctors as somebody who actually cares about them. How can I make your life easier? How, what is the number one musculoskeletal complaint your patients have? Or what's the number one spine related complaint your patients have? Oh, are you struggling with how to work up headaches? Like, how can I how can I be of service to you? How can I help mm-hmm. you help your patients? They will mm-hmm. love it. And they will think that you care about them. They will know that you care about them and they will know that you care about their patients. And you can do that by lunch and learns by, I like that the best because nobody wants mm-hmm. to stay late. Everybody needs to go after like the dinners, I think are harder for people to do, but the, something that's happening during the day, popping in with, Goodies with, um, with, um, handouts, care pathways, like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff that you can do to make their lives easier. They will, they will so much rather send a patient to you than to some jackass that doesn't give a shit. Okay. Um, so that's the marketing piece. What else could you do to have a thriving practice? Um, take care of your people in your practice. We heard Mm -hmm. with, um, not aggravated all the issues she's having with these people that like her team, right? Yeah. Like take care of yeah. your team. Because as these people are coming in, you're going to want their experience to be excellent. And the way that your patient's experience is excellent is when your team is happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what else? Take care of yourself. I got enough sleep last night. That was pretty cool. (laughs) This cannot be understated. Um, I'm in this new 
board certification program for lifestyle medicine. And it talks about these Mm -hmm. six pillars of health. And it is shocking how unhealthy we are as surgeons for the most part. We don't eat nutritious food. We don't um, sleep. We don't get restorative sleep. Some of our relationships are fucked up. We have um, a tendency to move towards toxic substances, namely alcohol, and then also like computer screens, like Facebook and Instagram and that sort of stuff. Um, Like on balance, we have a tendency to um, sacrifice our own health in service to our career or patients or whatever. But it is really true that the healthy you are in your own life, the more cognitively available you are, the more emotionally available you are, the more physically you have better endurance, like a long distance runner or an Ironman can't just go run an Ironman. They have to train and train and train and take care of their body and nourish their body and give their body rest in order for them to perform optimally. And we just go and go and go without taking care of ourselves. Now I'm making some like gross generalizations. So maybe you're the healthiest person on earth. I don't know. <laughs> no. But the point is, is that this will contribute to you having a thriving practice. Your complication rate will go down. Your patients will be happier with you. Your mm-hmm. team will be happier. Like everything gets better when you take care of yourself. Okay. Let's see. What else would you need to do to have a thriving practice? Stay current. So how do how does a neurosurgeon stay current? I don't know. Do you go to meetings? Do you yeah. do you meetings go- and courses and all that good stuff? Okay, I think people are getting the idea. So then we can continue to work backwards. Now, just like with the other one, when we're working strategically, you can do these things irrespective of how you feel emotionally. You can just nug it out. You can just plow through it. Now, that's not a very pleasant experience. And it's more pleasant when you feel empowered, when you feel convicted, when you feel motivated, committed. Um, I don't know. Like, how would you desire to feel while you're creating your thriving practice? Um, Happy or like uh, maybe like. Like professionally satisfied or um, proud of my work. This is a very fascinating thing. Yes, there's this thing that we have in medicine that is like this ethos. It's like an ethical commitment to doing the right thing. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of what it is. It's like an integrity. Um, into it, what's the what's the feeling word for integrity? Integrity is like a thing, but when we feel in integrity, what is um, it? Is it integrated? Yeah. Is it? Um, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. Like kind of like you feel like morally you've done the right thing for like your patients and like for your job and your like your practice in your community. 
but I don't know the yeah, I, I think I know what you're saying. So if you're if a thought is I'm willing to do I, I'm recycling the thought from the first person. What oh I know, like um whatever it takes to serve this community. To the best of my ability, to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. It's like a feeling of service, like in service or in. Um, if anybody can land on the word, I'm having a hard time grabbing onto the word, but it's this is a great example of what happens and how powerful it is when we are working for the betterment of other people. Even mm -hmm. though we're working for the betterment of you too, because you, yeah. you like, it's the collective people. We are a part of the collective people. But when we are focused outward, this thriving practice might be your ideal outcome. But what it really means is that your patients are getting the best care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that is a service. It's a service. Noble. It's noble. Yeah, so that's a good word. There it is. It's noble. Yeah. Okay. Now the question is, can you do that? Can you do those things? <laughs> I think so. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have. I think I'm gonna have to just tell my practice that I need some time, like some week afternoons, to do this. But um, I can do that. I did it last year, and it definitely helped me get the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, I can do it again this year with some of the other practices that I haven't met, but I, I've been taking care of some of their patients and, you know, I can definitely do that. Um, I'm also hiring um, a scribe to help me with some of my notes because that's the part of the job that I'm not as good at. And I'm trying to do that not for just myself, but also for patients so I can like focus on getting some of the other stuff they need done. Yes. Um, I'm gonna so, put some that of stuff I have to outsource a little bit, you know, you know what I mean? Like I just, there's some things I need a little help with. Of course. So, so I'm going to put, add that to your A-line here because when we do our notes, when we do a good note and we close it in a timely fashion, that mm -hmm. allows us to communicate back to their primary care doctor, which is a really, really good thing to do. Mm -hmm. People will love that. Okay. Um, that's great. So then usually what happens is, is we'll set up the strategic pathway for you. And then we'll say, well, these are the things you need to do. And most of us will look at it and we'll be like, okay, yeah, I can totally do that. And then our brains will start misbehaving and then saying like all this shit, like, oh, but wait, what about this? But what about that? And all these kind of like obstacles will pop up. So mm -hmm. notice when those obstacles pop up and then come back and see if we can knock the obstacles down. Because mm -hmm. that's where coaching comes in really handy. It's like, remember that thing we talked about where we're going to like get, create my thriving practice? Well, I notice that every time I go to um, like finish my notes, I find myself scrolling, doom scrolling on Facebook instead of doing my notes. It's mm -hmm. an obstacle that pops up that's preventing you from getting to your win. So then we have to kind of unwind that and say, okay, let's knock down that obstacle. It's just mm -hmm. from your path. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you for bringing this to us. 
Um, not aggravated commented that selfless is that's another word for noble. I think like noble yeah. um, is when we really want the best for all, all parties, which I think selfless right. is kind of like that. Although selfless can be taken to the extreme and it can be bad. Like when we're so selfless, it can um, end up sacrificing us in the process. And that's not the point. You don't want to sacrifice yourself. Okay. Does that feel like a good, does it feel like we've reached like a conclusion on that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like a little concerned because I felt like my boss was just telling me to kind of put my head down and do the best that I could. And I was, I was really worried about it because I felt like he wasn't really doing anything to counteract this group. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know a part important part of coaching is knowing what you can't control and I don't know that we can control how many inroads they get into this hospital. And I don't know that I can control what, in fact, I know I can't control what insurance contracts they get. Um, I can control if patients want to come back to me and want their family to come back to me. That's right. So, it doesn't matter if you can control those guys. They're going to make their right. own bed because they're not going to do as good a job. Right. And you're going to be the one, you're going to be the one who's running your race over here on the other side and be like, I'm running my race. You can't hurt me. I'm running my race. And people are going to come to you because of the job that you do. Right. They have no control over you. No, they don't. They don't. Um, Yeah. I I think those are all good points. And I mean, I I think it's really, really, really weird that I'm going to be taking barely any call next year, but you know, Sounds freaking awesome. <laughs> I know. Well, because the thing is, the, the part of my job that I love is really the ortho part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I liked brain surgery, and I, I do still like parts of it, but I really I love spine surgery, and I didn't really know that like going in. Um, so well, if I can even, just focus on that, you know, then yeah. that's like really good. And it's so lucrative; you don't need to do a ton of it to make good money. No, you don't. And, and we hired our hospital hired a new ortho surgeon who only, he seems like he wants to work like halftime, which is perfect because I can pull him in for big cases and keep those patients here. But at the same time, I don't think that he has any real goal to like, you know, ruin our practice or anything. He's not out for blood. He wants to come here and help some patients. And like, you know, he, I think he only wants to work part-time. So this is like good. Yeah. That's a really good development. Good. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I feel like a lot better now. I'm so glad. Yay. Just FYI, everybody, um, you probably all got the email. We're going to bring room one to a close, which is sad, but also cool because I'm going to open a different group that's going to be much cheaper. I'm going to, I want it to be a dollar a day. That's my goal so that we can bring this work to more people, including residents, because the earlier in the game, we start learning how to be more powerful the better off everybody's going to be in the long run. So um, I'm hoping to have it all set up before the end of the year so that if people choose to continue on coaching, they'll have a place to land. So I don't want you to feel like there's going to be no place to go. Um, Okay. Thank you guys. Have a good evening and we'll talk to you next time.